We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Patton. Oh my God, Jason, the Bulls finally made some moves. Arturis Karnaschovas has put his fingerprints on the roster after a non-existent first summer of moves when he was in charge of the Bulls. We were hoping the Bulls would make some moves today to shake up the roster. And dear God, did the Bulls ever shake up the roster. Coming into Chicago is two-time All-Star Nikola Vucevic. Immediately becomes Zach Levine's co-star in the front court. Uh, gives the Bulls a pretty deadly inside-out combination. The Bulls paid a heavy price to get him. A first-round pick this year, a first-round pick in 2023, and Wendell Carter Jr. going back to Orlando. Both of those picks are top four protected. The Bulls also also acquired El Farouk Amino in that trade. Then the Bulls got involved in another deal, acquiring Troy Brown from the Wizards, uh, Daniel Tice from the Boston Celtics, and Javante Green from the Celtics. Uh, in that deal, they sent out Luke Cornett, Daniel Gafford, Chandler Hutchinson. Otto Porter Jr. was also sent out in that deal to the Magic. So the Bulls totally reshaped the roster with these moves at the deadline. Uh, They paid a heavy price to do it. We can argue all day about if the Bulls improve their long-term ceiling enough to be giving up, uh, you know, multiple future draft picks. We could look at the upcoming schedule and talk about how the Bulls still have a pretty slim margin for error in terms of the rest of this season. But one thing I want to say, Jason, is that finally this is an Arturis Karnaschovas team. Uh, up until this point, it was basically a Garpax team, and that was very frustrating for me and you because it was apparent to anyone who watched this squad that despite the leap made by Zach Levine, despite the upgrade in coaching, the team still sucked. <laughs> now the Bulls actually go out and acquire another all-star level player. They got the best player traded today in Vucevic. Uh, we'll talk about it more later, but I'm a big fan of the second deal they made, getting Tice, getting... 
uh, Troy Brown, who I had been watching since he was a five-star high school recruit, I think it's unquestionably a risky move by the Bulls to trade multiple first-round picks and Wendell Carter Jr. for Vucevic. But you know what, man? I'm excited about it. Like, what I think is so fun about this, and I'll finally let you talk, is that uh, the Bulls are no longer just going to be like getting their guys, holding on to them, and hoping that long-term they can blossom into something beautiful. That's the way that Garpax did it, right? Like, Garpax always wanted to draft the next golden generation of Bulls. They never tried to improve the team via trades. They never made any aggressive moves to shape up the roster, shake up the roster. And what Karnaschovas proved today is that he's not going to be beholden to any of these guys. I think that, you know, in a year, if Vucevic, if the Vucevic thing looks like it's not working, they could flip him to recoup a first-round pick. They could sign Zach Levine and then flip him. Uh, everyone on this roster, Kobe White, Lowry Markinen, you could go down the line. I don't think anyone should feel too safe. For now, it's Vuce's team, it's Zach's team, it's Thad's team, it's Patrick Williams' team. But by making so many aggressive moves today, I think it just shows that, you know, while Garpax wanted to really let everything cook for multiple years and they wanted to, you know, see everything grow together, that's just not modern NBA team building. So uh, this is finally in Arturis Karnaschova's team. I could not be more excited about that. I'm not positive that this is a slam dunk for the Bulls. I think that they paid a heavy price to go out and get Vucevic. Uh, I would like it more if Vucevic was a little younger. He's going to turn 31 in October. But Vucevic is awesome right now. The Vucevic-Zach two-man game is going to be sick. And I love that you know the Bulls went into this deadline actually were the most active team, making some major moves. So I'm hyped, dude. I mean, it's a risky <laughs> move. It's risky for sure. I, I want to hear how you feel about it. I did a draft grades post for SBNation.com, I gave the Bulls a B for the Vucevic deal and the Magic an A. I think from the Magic's perspective, it was a no-brainer to get two first-round picks and a nice prospect in Carter, who had for sure been underwhelming. But you know what? Uh, I'm talking myself into it more and more from the Bulls' perspective. I really like the deal. I don't know if it's going to be a home run, but it is a fun move. And yeah, dude, what was going through your mind when uh, the trade went down? Yeah, so first of all, let's take it back to last night where the Chicago, your Chicago Bulls Got embarrassed by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Just, a, I mean, a bad team. No Colin Sexton. And clearly just everyone, like, after watching that game, it's like, there's, something's got to happen here. Like, you can't keep going with this nonsense. Like, I mean, the whole team just looked dead in the water. You scored 94 points against that Cavs team. Like, not barely competitive in the fourth quarter. And it's like, all right, we got to do something here. I tweeted this this morning. Like, I was thinking, I think we might have even talked about this in our preview pod about trading for Lonzo and trading for Aaron Gordon. Turns out I was thinking about the wrong Magic player. I, I didn't even think Vucevic was actually going to be available. I didn't think they were, the Magic were going to go like full hog, basically trading everybody. They traded Vucevic, they traded Gordon, they traded Evan Fournier today. So I wasn't really thinking about Vucevic. Uh, and then it comes out this morning, one of the very first deals of the day, a Woj bomb that the Bulls make this trade. Uh, so obviously a huge surprise. Uh, I, I, I don't want to say home run necessarily either, but I think the fact that the picks are protected top four for both 2021 and 2023, I think really just helps, helps it a lot. Uh, because if they do, in case things fall apart this season, they are still just 19 and 24. Uh, if, if Zach gets hurt or Vucevic gets hurt or something like that, and the team still just like sucks and they do like tank out of it, or even if they just make the plane, but they end up in the lottery still and they still, and maybe they get lucky. If they do get lucky, that means the pick's not going this year. So, I mean, that'd be huge. So they're not going to lose that pick this year if, it's some, if they do get lucky in terms of the lottery-wise. Obviously, we hope at this point that they're going to make the playoffs. 
Uh, and they're, I mean, obviously with the Eastern Conference just being so goofy as it is, they're in a pretty good position now that they do have another all-star. They have Daniel Tice there as well. Solid bench big to kind of back up now that Daniel Gafford is gone. Uh, so yeah, I think it's great. Um, like I said, I'm hesitant to say like for sure home run, but this is something we talked about with Zach Levine being what he is now. The time was over to, to wait on these young guys. The time was over to wait on Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr., Lowry Markkinen. It looks like they were trying to trade Lowry Markkinen. The Lonzo-Lowry rumors were out there. They ultimately did not trade for Lonzo Ball. Lonzo did not go anywhere. It sounds like the Pelicans were asking for a lot, uh, whether that was like Lowry plus another first-round pick, which obviously trading two first for Vooch made that a little more difficult. The Stepian rule and all that and just trading all that draft capital would have been kind of tough. Uh, so that was kind of a bummer that they did not get like a legitimate point guard, whether it was Lonzo or whether it was anybody else. But they had to start making some moves, and you add another all-star to add to Zach Levine, uh, a big man. Obviously, the Bulls have had some issues with big men. I know Vucevic isn't the best defender, but to have a legitimate big man who can play offense, play inside and out, uh, you, that two-man game you mentioned with Zach Levine, that should be really good. Zach is probably fired up. He's already posted a few things on social media. So to have another all-star there next to Zach, that's he's going to be immediately one of the best players. He'll be the best player Zach has ever played with on the Bulls. Um, I'm very curious to see how Billy runs with these lineups here, uh, with like with with Vooch here, with with Daniel Tice there, with Lowry still there. The Bulls, like I said, the Bulls shop Lowry. Um, we'll see. Overall, I'm definitely pumped about it. The Bulls, to make a, an actual in-season move at the deadline after all the inactivity, and we were worried about more inactivity this year, but to, after last night's just debacle, and to come in this morning and make this big trade for Vucevic. I think it's pretty great. Even I said, you say the risks. Like, I'm not even sure. There definitely are some risks whenever you're trading first round picks. But I think, again, the fact that they were protect or that they are protected picks, I think is just really helpful. Yeah, for sure. And Vucevic is awesome. Like the fact that he totally remade his career from being a low post center to a three point threat, uh, you can do nothing but respect that. Right. Like he's a guy who the reason he's leveled up this year is because he's hitting 40 percent of his threes. I think for him to maintain this level and for the Bulls to come out as clear winners in this deal over the next couple of years, he's going to have to keep shooting like that. So I do think that that's a little bit of a question mark. Right. Like you could talk about Levine with his hot shooting this year, too. For whatever reason, so many of the offensive players this year are seeing totally juiced up stats. I don't know if it has something to do with playing in empty arenas. I don't know if it. You know, we could all make guesses about the reason that offense is so far up this year. I think part of the reason might just be that there's more spacing than ever. There's, you know, more uh, more spots on the floor. There's more space on the floor to cover than ever. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, my initial reaction is that Vucevic is going to be really good. The two-man game between Vucevic and Levine should be totally awesome. I think you're looking at a scenario where Thad Young is playing a lot of minutes at the four, but he's also spending some time at the five when Vucevic is on the bench. I think you're looking at Patrick Williams alternating between the three and the four, and Patrick Williams becomes even more important now to the long-term future of the team because they're really going to need him to first of all, be able to provide some defensive resistance next to Vucevic, who has never been known as a great defensive center. They also kind of need him to take a step up offensively, too, just to give them a little bit more help on the wing. Uh, If it's me, I would love to see the ball in Patrick Williams' hands as much as possible, especially next season. If the Bulls could try to develop that, maybe in some bench minutes with Patrick Williams this year, I think that would be huge. 
And I'm excited about Troy Brown, too, man. I mean, I know we all wanted Lonzo at this trade deadline. We could talk about that. Uh, a Lowry for Lonzo move I thought would have been an absolute slam dunk for the Bulls. And Lonzo really would have been the perfect type of guy to connect Vucevic to Levine. Maybe the Bulls can still explore that in the summer because Lowry Markin is still going to be a restricted free agent. Lonzo is still going to be a restricted free agent. The Bulls aren't going to have much cap space now. I don't know what the exact numbers are uh, in terms of their cap space, but you know they weren't going to be able to get anyone as good as Vucevic this offseason either. So right. uh, that's why you do that move. And I think everyone else on the roster is on notice now, right? Like, there's no way the Bulls are just bringing back the roster they have today into the 2021-2022 season. Like, the move Karnaschova's made today should put everyone's ass on watch. Like, either you assimilate to what the Bulls, how the Bulls want to play, or they're going to fucking trade you. And Garpax does not have much of a footing on this team anymore. I think they're not really married to anyone. So that's what's exciting. Uh to about this to me i'm gonna pull up vucevic's synergy page so we could look at exactly where he's been successful in terms of his play types this year but uh you know do you have any thoughts on you know getting tights like what do you think he does for the bulls and uh you know how do you feel about losing your boy chandler hutcherson and Dan <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess that other trade, like obviously the Vucevic trade is the headliner here. That's great. And they get Aminu as well for a little more depth with losing Otto. I, I, I know Aminu has been kind of washed, but uh, just to have that wing depth there with Otto gone, that's great. But that other trade was kind of, it started as just uh, Bulls-Wizards four t- or four-player trade where it was what? It was Gafford and Hutch for Mo Wagner and Troy Brown. And I, even that just kind of on the surface, like, f- sure, fine. Like Hutch is a bust. Like he's done. Like he's, he's been, I, we don't know what's been going on with him. The personal reasons he's been gone. He was bad when he played. He barely played. He wasn't healthy even before. Uh, and then Gafford was a nice bench guy. Like I, I would have been fine keeping him as a backup, but I mean, if you have to make the steal, Troy Brown had been kind of lost some of his minutes to the Wizards this year. I know that doesn't sound great when like a guy, a young guy can't get minutes on a bad Wizards team, but I mean, it seems like he was kind of pushed out for like weird uh, with like Denny of Avdia in Washington to some of the other weird rotation stuff there. Because I think it was last year. He had like a pretty good season. So like, that seems like Troy Brown, a nice little gamble. And then it extends to the, you get the Celtics in here as well. And you get Daniel Tice, uh, to another because you needed some backups uh, another you need some toughness there in the middle still you have Usovich but then you traded Gafford already uh obviously you still only had like Luke Cornett and uh Christiana Felicia who was still on this roster somehow <laughs> but uh you needed needed a help uh, a backup big there so to get Tice who's been starting for the Celtics for like the longest time I know Celtics everyone's always talked about them wanting to get a center upgrade but he's been always been a really nice piece there uh, I know he had he missed a wide open three to win beat the Bucks last night but I mean just to have some toughness off the bench as a bench big uh, he can step out and shoot the three a bit like I said add some toughness there that's just a really solid deal and I believe the Bulls also got some cash considerations in the deal shout out to our, our podcast name I was I wasn't sure if it was, it was cash considerations or whether, whether it was just like small trade exceptions but Overall, I think, I mean, giving up Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson for Troy Brown, uh, was it Javante Green and Daniel Tice? Uh, I think that's, that's a great, that's a great move as well. So I think that's two, like, just really, really strong moves for the Bulls. Uh, again, yeah, not getting Lonzo was disappointing. Lowry being on the roster, I feel like is kind of weird after just all the smoke about him going elsewhere, whether it was a Lonzo trade, whether it was taking calls. I saw some rumor out there that the Wizards, the Wizards asked about Lowry, and, but they didn't want to pay with it. The Bulls were asking for. So we'll be just going to see how Lowry like responds to this, to being in all these trade rumors and then coming back to this team, but with 
Like, I'm curious what the rotations will be like. Like, is is Lowry going to start? Is Thad going to start? Like, who, Ricky, who are you starting next to Vucevic? I mean, I'm starting Thad. He's the better player. You're, if you're going for the playoffs, you start Thad Young. I think Lowry and Daniel Tice could be a decent uh, bench frontcourt duo. What's your take on that? For sure. That's the other thing is that the Bulls bench got better today. I think that, you know, you got Lowry and Kobe in very low-pressure bench roles now. Uh, I would be absolutely shocked if Lowry's on the team heading into next season. I think the writing yeah. is on the wall in a lot of ways for that. But for this year, I mean, shit, Lowry, like he's having a hell of a year shooting the ball. At this point, they're not really going to count on him to carry the franchise or to even win them games in the short term. So Lowry, hopefully, will be able to ball out a little bit in a role that will ideally suit him a little bit better. Like uh, he's not expected to be a franchise cornerstone anymore. He's not really expected to even be with the team long term, I think, anymore after his name was involved in so many trade rumors today. And, you know, I think that Kobe White has been so frustrating to watch in a lot of different ways, in part because it's the first year he's been a point guard. He's also still, what, 20, 21 years old. But Kobe White is a bench gunner now where I don't really even feel like he has to live up to the number six or number seven overall draft pick status anymore. He's just going to kind of cook on the bench. I think this could be really good for Kobe, too. And I'm not saying that they should keep Kobe forever. I think, you know, if the value sort of plays out where... Uh, it's in your best interest to trade Kobe. I mean, definitely trade him. That's a no-brainer to me. But if you can't get anything good for him, I don't think that there's anything wrong with just letting him sort of be your super sub on the bench, letting him run around, hit threes. You know you're going to need guards, and you know you're going to need shooting. That's just a fact of life in the modern NBA. And Kobe can get up threes. If he can move from a 35% three-point shooter, which is what he is this year and what he was last year, if he can get up to a 40% three-point shooter... You know, I'm not saying he's going to be a world beater, but I think that that draft pick at number seven overall, even if he ends up being the 11th best player in his class or whatever, it still could look decent, right? So I sort of like the situation for both Kobe and Lowry. I think, you know, both of them for the start of this year, it was like, okay, guys, you got to carry us to wins. Like this franchise is on your back. Now it's like, okay, dude, we got two legitimate all-stars here. We don't really count on you anymore, and Markinen probably realizes he's not going to be in the mix long term. So I'm sort of excited about that. Uh, I have Vucevic's synergy page up here, and a couple things that stand out. One, I'm surprised he was not better in the post. He's getting 24% of his possessions this year in the post. He's only scoring in the 40th percentile on those possessions, according to Synergy Sports, which determines its data by points per possession. So the 40th percentile, that's marked as average. It's on the low end of average, obviously. Uh, So that's interesting. I thought he was a little bit better in the post. Uh, is a role man, he's been good. He's in the 53rd percentile, grades out as good. He's getting 23% of his offense there. And is a spot-up guy, he's in the 52nd percentile. Uh, that's taken up 20% of his possessions. So most of his possessions are on post-ups, role man opportunities, and spot-ups. He's also been really good in transition, though. He's getting 8% of his offense in transition, grades out as very good, still a decent rebounder. One thing that kind of surprised me is that his scoring efficiency is not super-duper high. It's basically league average right now, 56.5. For the first time in NBA history, a 56% true shooting percentage (laughs) average because uh, scoring efficiency around the league is totally juiced. 
Uh, I think the reason that he's held back a little bit in that department is because he doesn't get to the foul line much, which is interesting. He's only averaging two and a half free throws a game this year in 34 minutes of play. You would think someone who's that physical inside would be getting more free throw attempts. So I'm interested to see if that was maybe, I don't know, something to do with the Magic's lack of spacing, lack of guard play, the fact that they didn't have anyone like Zach Levine to sort of take pressure off Vucevic. I want to see if he can get to the line more because, uh, you know, if he's really going to warrant two first-round picks, I think he's got to score a little bit more efficiency efficiently. With that being said, the dude's averaging 24.5 points a game, 12 rebounds a game, uh, not a great defensive player, which I think is another thing to really look at. But if you look at a, a simple stat like BPM, which is like a decent all-in-one stat, they have it in the pros and in college, uh, Vucevic's BPM is 5.6 this year. Zach's is 4.2. So I think that just sort of, sort of tells you how good Vucevic has been uh, this season. I don't think that he's a player who comes here like without any questions about fit or without any potential downsides, especially when you're giving up two first round picks and, you know, what you would think is one of your better trade assets in Wendell. Uh, with that being said, the Bulls got way, way, way better today, adding Nikola Vucevic. And if both those picks end up being 17 to 23, you know, how much are you really losing? So I think that was the bet that Karnashovas made. And it's not one that Garpax would have made. And for Bulls fans, I think that's exciting. Like, they massively improved the team today. Uh, did they get the team into championship contention? No. Do they still have a lot more work to do? Yes. But Kardashev has just proved that he is going to turn over this roster as much as he can, as quickly as he can, and as dramatically as he can. And I think that's exciting, and that's a reason to celebrate for Bulls fans. Basically, the only other way they could have gone, Jason, is trade Levine for picks. Like... After I I start to reflect on it more, it's like, what were you really going to do? Just have Levine and have a bunch of guys who suck? Yes, that's 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 exactly it. I mean, the point, like the contention is, well, like, well, what is like their ceiling? Like, uh, like they're not going to like with Vucevic being with thirty one. I know that I I I get it, but like, uh, when you have Zach here, yeah, it's either you got to try to do something to win with him, or you just trade him away and you start over again. And that was just never going to be a thing was not going to happen. So you go in on a big move like this and you try to get to a point where, yeah, like maybe they're like a second round like ceiling right now, but maybe if they do get to that level, that then opens up things for what maybe future free agents, future trades. I mean, they still do have uh, some other things, assets they can move around to add to a Zach Levine Vucevic core. Uh, You hope that Patrick Williams develops in the next couple of years. Uh, and then maybe you you end up raising that ceiling even further. I mean, they just they weren't going to ever go from the dog shit that they were last year and the kind of crap that they are this year to being like a title contender with any move. It just wasn't going to happen. So if yeah, like you said, if you're not gonna tank like trade away Zach and tank, you had to try something like this. You just couldn't really just go along diddling around with this young core and just kind of waiting and waiting and hoping and evaluating and keep hoping that they would actually come around. You had to do something, and they did it. And so kudos to them for taking a big shot because you mentioned the guard back stuff. I mean, just taking big shots like this is just something we've never, I feel like we always criticize them for whenever stars were on the market, they just wouldn't ever go all in for somebody. And again, you can argue that maybe Nikola Vucevic isn't the guy to go all in on, but like, I'm not really sure who that would have been, who else that would have been at this point. Like all the other guys on the trade market now, like have their flaws and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, the Bulls got the best player traded today. So that's, that's, that's huge. That's great. 
we'll see how they finish the rest of the season. But obviously then moving forward as well, they, they should be a pretty clear playoff team. And again, yeah, in the offseason, like there will be more moves coming. Uh, nobody should be safe. Like I said, we'll see if they move on from Lowry. We'll see what happens with Kobe White. Uh, they do need a point guard still since it's still just Sato, Kobe White. I'm not sure if Troy Brown can do any ball handling as well, like secondary playmaking. We'll see. And I know you've talked about playing Devin Dotson a little bit more, but I mean, they still need a legit bigger, better, more game changing playmaker. But that could come come down the road. That could come next season, next or next off season, next season, something like that. So. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about the the ceiling. Like, did they lock themselves into like mediocrity thing right now? Like, maybe you do worry about that in the coming years. But at that point, then maybe you would start over. You have Zach and uh, Vucevic. You trade them down the line. I'm not worried about that right now. They're a better team now. They should be more exciting. They should just be better in general. And hopefully, they can take this next step here. Yeah, I got a take for you. This is yeah. the type of trade they should have made when they had Jimmy Butler. Like, they picked in the middle of the first round multiple years. If they could have gotten an established star next to Butler, who knows what happens with Butler's impending free agency. Like, now it seems like the Bulls are certainly going to pay Zach and continue to build around Zach. Uh, I don't think that that means he's, like, permanently going to be here forever or anything. But this type of team-building strategy was something that Garpax never, ever, 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 ever would have considered. I tweeted that in the last 12 years, uh, you know, they really only made two trades to improve the team. They traded for John Salmons in 2009, yeah. and that worked out pretty well for that one playoff run against Boston. And then they traded for Otto, which at the time me and you loved. That trade didn't really work. But there's just other avenues to team building that the Bulls have ignored for like literally 20 fucking years. <laughs> and so to be able to go and get this move, like even though I don't think Zach is as good as Jimmy was in Jimmy's heyday, and even though I think it's a ton to give up for Vucevic when he's going to be 31 years old next year, it's just cool to see them try another route towards building a team. And, uh, you know, one of the first things that I thought of is that Vucevic's contract is going to expire when Nikola Vucevic <laughs> when Nikola Jokic is a free agent in the summer of 2023. So if the Bulls can be like a middle second round team, let's say, in the Eastern Conference, Karnaschovas has a good relationship with Jokic already. Jokic has apparently been, uh, you know, he's been a fan of the Chicago market, I guess, from some previous comments he's made. Uh, a lot of Serbians here, apparently. Maybe the Bulls can actually land him. And now, I think like no longer are the Bulls just hoarding their own draft picks and hoping that they turn into gems eventually, uh, they're going to try to be a major player in free agency. They're going to try to continue shaking things up with trades. And, you know, I don't even think Zach and Vucevic should get too comfortable, to be honest. Like, two years from now, is there any guarantee that either of them are on the roster? They're going to continue churning this thing over, I think. And that's exciting because this is totally unexplored territory for Bulls fans. They have never gone about team building in this way. And I do think there's some risk to it. I do think it could blow up in their face. But you know what? If it blows up in their face, trade Zach Levine, trade Vucevic, recover some first-round picks, and then tank. You know, like, you don't always have to stick to one path forever the way that John Paxson wanted to build. So uh, all of that's very exciting to me. I think that they definitely have more work to do. And I am positive that they will make those moves now in the offseason. I don't know if they're going to end up with Lonzo Ball this summer. I don't know if they're going to end up with Malcolm Brogdon or someone else. But I can promise you they are going to continue to be aggressive to reshape this team. And one of the first thoughts that popped into my head, Jason, is I bet this was discussed when Billy Donovan took the job. I bet Karnaschovas and Donovan were like, 
yeah, well, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes, I guess, at the start of the season. But otherwise, like, let's just trade some future first-round picks and get a good player in here. Maybe Vucevic was the best player they could get for two first-rounders. It's certainly less than, like, the Rockets gave up for James Harden or something. Of course, Vucevic is not in the same strategy <laughs> as Harden. But, uh, you know, that's the type of—this is the going rate for superstars. The Bulls made a, a bold move to get one. And I think that's a reason to celebrate today, man. Even if it's not a total home run— uh, just the fact that they they switched it up for once, taking a chance, love it. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like you, the point about Billy and AK, I'm not sure if they. I, I'm not sure if they did that because I do wonder if like Zach just leveling up is what maybe expedited this again. Like because if Zach didn't like take the step and he was just kind of like good again, but like not great, uh, maybe they do. Maybe they do blow it up again. And they trade Zach and they and they don't look to this. I think once Zach, they notice Zach, uh, just and start believing in him as a long, legitimate long-term guy. I feel like that's when they're like, all right, we got to, we got to do something about this. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, we do have a few questions here uh, in our chat. This is from Todd. Do you guys see any point guards on the buyout market for the bulls? Um, I haven't seen who else has been bought out. We obviously have Aldridge has been bought out. Andre Drummond, like those big names. Like I'm, I'm not really sure if there's anybody other, any other point guards that they can look out for. Ricky, have you noticed any, anything? Didn't Jeff T get bought out today? Oh, uh, I mean, he's been terrible. I, he went. He went to the Magic, I believe, in the Fournier deal, which means and he'll probably get bought out. I guess. So, I mean, maybe. Like I said, I wouldn't have much high hope for Teague because I think, like I said, I think he's been terrible with the Celtics this year. But like, I mean, I guess if you're looking for another possible veteran option, you bring in Jeff Teague again. I, I wouldn't mind trying Dotson, but at this point, if you are going for the playoffs, they probably maybe they just won't even try him. But like, I just don't want to see Arch anymore. I know that much. Uh, I'd rather play Dotson than Arch, but I mean, at this point with this with the rotation they have, maybe they they wouldn't bother playing him because they do have a little more depth. I feel like uh, besides Teague, um, like I said, I'm not totally sure. I have to I'd have to look into that one more. I got a list here. I got a list here. Okay. Names. I'm just going to throw this out there. And yeah, I think Dotson is the guy who I would really like to see. Dotson was an All American at Kansas last year. Even though he went undrafted, he was only a sophomore as an All American, best player on the best team in the country in college basketball last season for Kansas. So I want to see Devon Dotson play, man. I've watched him play live since high school. I covered an AAU tournament when he was playing for, remember Jeff McGinnis? Jeff McGinnis coached his AAU. Oh, yeah. He also had Aaron Wiggins on that team, who's now one of the better players on Maryland. Uh, so I would give Dotson a move, but I have a list pulled up here of some potential buyout candidates, Austin Rivers, Corey Joseph, uh, Dante Exum and Jeff Teague. Those are basically <laughs> the looking at. So, yeah, I mean, if Rivers is going to be available cause he got moved today to the right? OKC, right? To OKC. Like they have no use for no him. use. Um, yeah, like maybe go get Austin Rivers. I mean, obviously he's just like a chucker. He's not going to be like your playmaker, but uh, I think Dotson's the guy. Give me some Dotson. And, you know, if you want to go sign an Austin Rivers to just like give you some more bench scoring, to me that's a little redundant with Cody. Yeah, but, and Denzel. But you don't need Denzel. Like, I'll I know. Rivers like, I'm saying, like, like him, is Austin Rivers that much better than Denzel? Probably, I guess. I mean, Denzel's numbers are terrible. We like to make fun of him, but like, Basically, just a chucker. Like you said, bench chucker. <laughs> you want to read off some more questions? Or we could also bring people on stage if anyone wants to get some takes off. If you guys got a strong take, 
and you can fit it into like 30 seconds or a minute. We're happy to bring anyone on stage who wants to come. But Jason, if you want to read off some more questions. Yeah, sorry. We had, we had another question here from Greg. Uh, just ask him about Lowry again. Uh, how does he fit in this year's team? And we did kind of bring that up earlier. Like, yeah, well, so like we do think that it should probably start Thad Young and uh, Busevich as, as the starting front court. So like how will Lowry respond to that? How will he respond to being maybe like their seventh man? Uh, because if, yeah, here's some. Somebody just tweeted like the rotation. You figure it's gonna be Sato, Zach, Pat, Thad, Vucevic. That's probably the starting lineup. So then off the bench, you have Kobe, you have Garrett Temple, uh, you have Aminu, I guess. Troy Brown maybe could be like your swing wing dudes, and then Lowry and Daniel Daniel Tice. Uh, I feel like that makes that sounds right to me. And I mean, Lowry just like hasn't done enough to. Be a star. Like if you, again, if you're going for the playoffs, play Thad Young as much as you can. Now, if he's gonna, he's on this team. You didn't trade him. You might as well be playing him 25, 30 minutes a night as a starter next to Vucevic. I feel like just the fit makes more sense, and with an offense defense fit, uh, it was Lowry and Vooch. I know both guys can uh, can shoot the ball. It just, it just seems like a really kind of an awkward pairing, and Thad just would make a lot more sense there. Uh, so yeah, Lowry coming off the bench, let him bum slay him and Kobe. Maybe can have some two men, two man bum slaying off the bench. I know Kobe has had some really rough games lately as bench point guard, but uh, yeah, just kind of try to let those guys cook off the bench instead of going against starting players. And I think that makes sense to me. Yeah, and Lowry's offense has been pretty decent this year, only because he's finally shooting well. Uh, he has been a little cold lately. He's, well, he's been bad lately. <laughs> percentage has slipped under 40% for the first time all season. He's now at 39% on seven attempts per game. But he's still a 62% true shooting guy this year. So he's way above where he's been in previous years. Uh, I think of Vucevic, Lowry, Levine, I mean, that team is just going to get murdered defensively. It could have a ton of spacing, and it could be pretty potent offensively, but... Uh, that's the problem with Lowry is he's just still so bad defensively. And uh, I forget who it was when I was watching the other day, but like he just has little guards constantly like body him at the rim when he's defending. Uh, he tries to go up with verticality and they just like move him back like he's nothing and score on him. So I don't think Lowry fits long term. I don't totally think he fits with this year's team, but hell yeah, the Lowry bum slaying a little bit. And as I mentioned earlier, it's just like the change in context from some of these young guys like Lowry and Kobe, where they're no like the the franchise was riding on those guys backs to turn into stars. And that's not the case anymore. Now they're just dudes and they could get flipped if someone else wants them. If the Bulls think there's value in trading them, by all means, trade them in terms of this year. They're on the team. So, yeah, like go after second units. The Bulls improved their depth quite a bit today, I think, which is sort of uh Another storyline, like not only did they get the best player traded, they traded today. They also really improved the bench. Getting Tice, uh, I don't know if Amino is going to be able to give you anything, but I think Troy Brown could give you some stuff this year. I, I like Troy Brown as a prospect, uh, so I thought that was a nice move by the Bulls. I gave the Bulls an A in that deal, being able to get Tice and Troy Brown. So I think that was pretty intriguing. Uh, and then in terms of Lowry, it's like, I don't know, dude. Like, just Just try to get points on second units because... <laughs> Uh, at this point, like you're not the franchise cornerstone anymore. Right. Yeah, let's uh, bring Todd here. He wants a, he has a comment. Todd, uh, we'll give you the floor here for a little bit. Hey guys, love the show. Love you guys. I've uh, been listening for a while. I am just so excited, as you can see in the Abbey. All right, um, <laughs> like you said, for the first time that I can remember, this feels like we have a competent 
front of front office that is making moves as expected we should as a market that sized we are that said i have a quick question i saw yep. uh i forgot who wrote it it was a tweet about our protected picks uh being top four protected how do you feel that might factor into the off season the summer um and should we even be expecting potentially something good from that um, yeah, so that is what well, you're asking, Todd? Like, yeah. will the Bulls maybe try to like tank down if they lose a few games to try to protect those picks? Uh, if that if that is what you mean, I don't really think that they're going to do that. I think that you know they traded those picks because they don't want to be making those selections. Like, they would rather have a star than to be picking 17th or whatever. So, uh, I think that the protections are just to guard against them in case like Vuce bitch gets hurt in the first game of next you know the first game he debuts for the bulls and that then you know they don't really have much of a chance but uh i don't think the the protections are really going to play a factor in how they go about team building the one thing i'll say is that you know if this looks bad in 2023 i don't think they'll hesitate to flip zach or flip vucevic just given the aggressive way karnashov has made over the roster today and then also by trading the picks like you're not only losing those potential draft picks, you're also losing your best ammunition to try to acquire another player. So you can't trade a draft pick if it's protected. Like, even if you think it might land in one to four or whatever, like, you can't trade that during the season. So you got to wait. Uh, so I don't really think the draft picks being traded is going to affect their team building avenues moving forward. It's just going to sort of limit the other guys they can go after because now they can't really trade first round picks. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Like you said, it's just like it's protection in case things go south because uh, or if they if even if they just miss like the playoffs, the plan, whatever, and they get lucky in the lottery, then they, if they get in the t- if they get lucky, they would go in the top four somewhere. You keep that pick. It rolls over to next season. Uh, and that and that would be actually could be kind of great. Like that'd be awesome, even though you want to make the playoffs this season. If for some reason, if they don't rise up or if they just end up like just outside and then they get lucky and then you add like a top pick to and have Vucevic as well like that'd be that'd be pretty awesome uh let's bring uh Rio on board here has comment question you're up hey what's up Jason Ricky so um I was just wondering I I always thought even though I I thought that uh Paxson and Foreman always sucked I, I've <laughs> been I wanted them guys fired a long time ago but I always thought that with the 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 picks of Kobe, Lowry, and Wendell, those guys were more complimentary type players. And if you if you put some superstars, some real superstars around those guys, that they could kind of go under the radar. You would see you would see them play better. I, I guess my question is, I think that. Now with them getting Vucevic, that he'll have him and Zach will have that kind of effect on Lowry because not you know not so much of the the offense is focused on on him now. Yeah, I love that. Tim. Ricky, you want to yeah. take this one first? Go ahead. The one thing I'll say though is I feel like the one thing that would have really helped Lowry Markinen is getting a high-level distributor because Lowry's not a guy who's very good at creating his own shot. He needs to be set up 
something like 75% of Lowry's makes for his career are assisted. He's not someone who's going to basically take you off the dribble and create his own look, right? In Vucevic, for as good as he is, he's good because he's a scorer and a rebounder. He's not an amazing playmaker at the five position. I will be very interested to see just how talented Vucevic is in terms of being that release valve in the pick and roll. Of course, the Bulls still do have Thad Young, who's awesome in that role. Uh, But what I think, where I think you could be right about that is that I think it just like lets everyone else play more freely. Like Lowry and Kobe now are not the guys anymore. They're not the the hopes of the franchise are not pinned to their backs. Uh, They can just, you know, go against weaker second units and find the right matchups. And I'm sure Billy will play them if they have the hot hand. Like we've seen games where both of those guys have gotten absurdly hot to have two flamethrowers like that in the second unit is pretty nice. And I think like that could definitely come into play in the play in tournament. I think, you know, in the first round, the bulls are still going to be an underdog, but it's going to be nice to have two guys like that on the bench who can give you instant offense. So yeah, I like that. That way of looking at it is like, you know, they took those guys and they were really, the bulls were using those years to tank to like find their next superstar. They didn't find a superstar with those picks. And I think because of that, like the reaction from a lot of the fan base is that these guys suck. These guys are worthless. Well, in reality, like maybe they can be good complimentary players. Like I don't think Lowry Markkinen is going to be out of the league just because we don't want him uh, carrying the weight of the franchise on his shoulders. You know what I mean? So uh, we'll see what Lowry can do for the rest of this year. Like when you consider how much defensive attention Zach and Vucevic are going to command, like just think of all the all the space Kobe could have to operate in. He can just be running around shooting threes. Uh, Kobe's been frustrating to watch to this point to me, but you know, now if he's more of an off the ball guy, they still need to get a playmaker. I want to see Troy Brown, maybe get some reps as a point guard. He was a point guard throughout high school. I watched him a bit when he was a five-star recruit. Uh, So I think that, you know, he's got some potential to kind of be like a poor man's Lonzo in a lot of ways as someone who isn't a great shooter, but can defend multiple positions, can handle it six, six. Yeah. I I like where your head's at there. I think that, you know, potentially this does make life easier. Yeah, we certainly have to hope that is the case uh, because, yeah, I mean, those guys just, as I mentioned, they just couldn't wait on them anymore to be those difference-making guys. And I believe we talked about this on the last pod. Like, I think Wendell as well. Like, Wendell, Lowry, Kobe, I think they'll all be in the league for a long time. They all have useful NBA skills. It's just the Bulls were relying on them to be big-time players, and they just weren't. They weren't ready. Uh, so maybe – yeah, maybe with some of the pressure off, like I, I, especially a guy like Wendell. I mean, obviously he's gone now, but like you really do wonder if some of the pressure was getting to Wendell. It seems like he's had issues just with like keeping his head together and all that. Now with Lowry, like I said, I mentioned like we'll see how he if he accepts a, or if he responds well if he goes to the bench and he's coming off the bench. And then with Kobe as well. I mean, Kobe was just benched, uh, so we'll, we'll see. And hopefully, yeah, that with less pressure on them, hopefully they will be a bit better. So we'll see about that. Um, a few more questions here in the comments. We have this is from Matt. He asked about the draft picks they included, skipping over the 2022 draft. That is because of the Stepien rule. That is an NBA rule where you cannot trade like two years of draft picks in a row. The Bulls don't have any other picks from like any other teams, so they only have all their first round picks. So they cannot trade. They could not trade like 21 and 22, for example, or like 22 and 23. I think there there's some like weird. It's just a, a weird NBA rule called the Stepien rule because some guy like back in the day, I think, traded like a shit ton of draft picks and basically like ruined his team. Uh, so they put that rule in place where you couldn't just like trade 
like all of your draft picks at once and not have first rounders like in consecutive years. So that is why the 2022 pick was could not be traded. That is why they could not trade the 2022 pick in Alonzo Ball trade. Uh, so it, it would have had to have been down the road. So that explains that. Uh, another question from Todd. Do you think uh, Rio says pick, pick swap with New Orleans? I believe that is a second round pick swap, I think. I don't think it's a first run. I, I think that like all their first round picks, I'd have to look it up again, is just all... Uh, just all their own stuff. I'll look that up in a second. I'll move to the next question, though, is do you think Kobe can reinvent himself as a star six man in the form of Lou Willard, Jamal Crawford? I mean, that's something we have talked about is do we think that is the best role for Kobe White as a bench gunner? I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, that's what, as an off-ball guy, I mean, we saw him last year when he went on that hot hot stretch uh, where he was just kill, killing, uh, just making it rain, more of an off-ball role. It's, we know he, he struggles in that point guard role, but... Uh, when he is, when he can get it cooking, he can be really fun to watch. Uh, when he's not dribbling the ball, because when he dribbles the ball too much, it can get really ugly. We've seen that lately. Just like the playmaking, just like the vision just isn't there. The playmaking instincts just aren't really there yet. So like, I don't want to totally rule out Kobe White as, uh, like a, as a decent starting point guard for on this team that it, it's clearly a project. So like on this team, it just really was not going to work. So. I am. I think it's totally fine if that's maybe the, the direction they go because clearly they do need an upgrade at point guard. So if Kobe White become, is, sticks around and stays, and if he becomes a really good six man, I mean, I I'm for that. Like I do think that maybe they do like to move him again. As Ricky said, I don't think anybody should be safe on this roster. But uh, yeah, I mean, for right now, if they just make they make him a bench gunner and if he starts raining threes all the time off the bench, I'm, I'm I'll I'll take it. Yeah, I think the thing with Kobe is you just don't want him making high leverage decisions. Like yeah. That- where Kobe is not particularly good when it comes to reading the floor and needing to like know where the help is, know what type of pick and roll coverage they're playing. Uh, Kobe just doesn't read the game at a high level. What Kobe's good at is just going out there and shooting, (laughs) running fast and taking threes. And there's value to that. Like one thing that I've noticed when I've been watching the league this year is that so many times the three point rate just totally overpowers everything else. And Kobe does have a special ability to get up threes. The percentage of shots he takes from three-point range is significant. So uh, he's going to have to improve from a 35% shooter into close to a 40% shooter to be really good. But, I mean, dude, you have Kobe now in his early 20s and Pat, who's not even 20. When you got two guys who are firmly in the primes of their careers, like Levine and Vucevic, I do think it's sort of nice to have two young guys who you can either groom long-term or flip if you get a good you know, deal for them. And it's not like Kobe's really playing himself into some huge contract a couple of years from now. At least the Bulls don't have to worry about that yet. Uh, I just let him play. And if you can trade him this summer for a deal that helps you, uh, you know, both immediately and in the long term, I think he should absolutely be on the table to be traded. But it isn't the worst thing, just letting him be a bench gunner. He could fit in a lot of different lineups. You just really don't want him making decisions that are greater than, get the ball and shoot the ball. Uh, and here's the last thing I'll say on that. What do you think is the best way to develop as a young player? It's to get minutes. And Kobe's gotten a lot of minutes, and he got a lot of minutes at point guard this year. Yes, he was bad in them, but that could be beneficial for him long term, right? Like, he saw a lot of different coverages, and he took on these responsibilities that he's never had before. So, you know, when he gets to be 23, 24, that could definitely help him. 
Absolutely. Uh, to the point about the Pelicans pick swap, I think was asked, uh, that is a second round pick swap. So not a first, uh, that's second round. Uh, we have Kenny here up, uh, on deck here. Kenny, what is your comment question? Fire away. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm coming at this. I haven't, I've admittedly not watched a ton of magic games coming Same. into this, but I am a player of fantasy NBA, which sometimes can be deceiving, but are we underestimating Vooch as a distributor? I mean, I just checked. He's averaging about four assists a game, and I don't know how much the Magic relied on him for that. And I'm curious to know, because I know Billy Donovan wants some passing off of the post. Obviously, he's he's used Thad like that this year. He wanted Wendell to do that this year. He wasn't able to do it. I'm wondering, in your guys' opinion, are we going to see Vooch maybe used more in like a Jokic-type role? Obviously, Arturis coming over from Denver, where he takes some of the playmaking pressure off of the guards. Because I see Kobe White in the same mold as like a Jamal Murray. Not as good, obviously. But, you know, when Murray was drafted, that was a lot of the question marks about him, is can he play point guard in the league? He's not a playmaker. He's more of a scorer. So do you see Vooch potentially helping Kobe by, hey, look, you don't have to playmake anymore. We're going to throw it into the high post. We're going to let the big man make some of those decisions. You just focus on scoring the ball a la Jamal Murray in Denver. So that's kind of my question slash observation. And obviously GMs like to take blueprints with them where they go. So obviously you see the Denver blueprint here, but I'll I'll turn it over to you guys with that. Yeah, no, I love that. Thank you for that uh, comment. Thanks for joining the show. Uh, Pulling up Vucevic's stats, he's got the highest assist rate of his career this year, 21.8%. I guess a couple of years ago when he had his first all-star season, he was right at the same level. So yeah, I mean, to have a center with over a 20% assist rate, 22% assist rate is pretty significant. Uh, I didn't realize he was that good of a passer. So I think like for sure that could definitely help him. Uh, Also, the Bulls have really unlocked Thad Young in that role this year. I mean, Thad Young has essentially been the team's point guard for the vast majority of the season. When he's on the floor, he is the guy who's making the decisions on the court. So to have two guys like that who can pass the ball, I think that that's just definitely going to make the offense better. Uh, I like that observation. Yeah, I think the way the Bulls have leaned into Thaddeus Young's playmaking this year uh, should only excite people for the Vucevic edition because he has turned into a very good passer in recent years. Just having more smart thinkers yep. on the floor and having guys with a good feel for the game, having guys who are veterans, who aren't going to be overwhelmed by the moment, who know how to pass. Yeah, I think that's very exciting. And I think, you know, hopefully we do see Vucevic continue to tap into that. Absolutely. I didn't even realize he was, he's over three assists per game each of the last four years. He was close the, the couple of years before that. So yeah, definitely better than I had realized there for sure. Like just having more, yeah, you said high IQ players. And I think that's something that AK, I mean, I guess every GM wants high IQ players who can pass, but yeah, guys who can pass <coughs> and shoot, pa- actually pass and shoot. Uh, and that is, is great. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So I, I do hope that they, that he will, that he'll be used as a guy. Very poor man's Jokic. Obviously, Jokic is so much better. But yeah, to have two, I think, I mean, just like think of the lineups that they had when they had whatever. It was Wendell who just like never, he got better at passing, but he just never quite lived up to that pot, lived up to that. And then Lowry is, his assist rate is minuscule. I think he's under assists per game this year. So to have Thad and Busevich there and then plus Zach, Sato's a solid passer. I think Patrick Williams is almost kind of underrated there. Uh, that should definitely just help in terms of the overall playmaking IQ of this roster. So that's definitely nice. Uh, Jewel. You are up next. What is your question slash comment? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. 
first off, just want to give you guys kudos. This format is super cool. First time on Locker Room, so great way for you guys to engage your followers and talk about this. So awesome, awesome stuff. But what do you think um, the the moves here say about AKs and and even Billy Donovan's offensive philosophy and uh, team-building philosophy if they're going to get Vooch versus a point guard, which was a glaring need like Lonzo Ball, and even instead of um, getting Aaron Gordon, which seemed like maybe the Bulls could have got a comparable uh, deal versus um, him going to, where did he go? Um, Denver? Denver. Yep. Um, yeah, what, what do you think that says about where they want to build this team? Because I I would probably wouldn't have targeted Vooch as one of my, my first options. Um, so w- what do you guys think? Yeah, I guess I'll let you answer this too, Jason. But to me, the first thing it tells me is that they just wanted to improve the roster as badly as possible. Yeah. I think that they went into this being like, all right, let's trade some draft picks. Who's the best player we can get for two draft picks? That's what we're willing to give up. And Vooch, you know, having the best season of his career this year, being an all-star two of the last three years, uh, I think he was the best player they could have got. So, you know, Gordon was a guy who went for one first-round pick, and then they included R.J. Hampton in that, who was their late first-rounder last year. Uh, you know, anyone else they would have looked at, like no one else got moved for two first rounders. So I think in terms of their team building, I think they were just going for the best player they possibly could have gotten. I think in some ways, Wendell Carter Jr. being massively disappointing is part of the reason they made this move. I think it was pretty clear to anyone watching the Bulls that, yes, they needed a point guard for sure. But also, man, they needed a center. (laughs) Like (laughs) Wendell was not good. And I gave out grades today. So let me give out a grade to myself. I gave this interview with Darnell from The Athletic, Darnell Mayberry. And, uh, you know, when, when I'm doing draft coverage for SB Nation, talking about Michael Porter Jr. And I had some outrageous quotes in that story. <laughs> if anyone remembers it, I'm like dropping F-bombs and saying, Bulls fans think Michael Porter Jr. is like the next Michael fucking Jordan. Well, God, I'm taking an L for that one. <laughs> MPJ has turned into a lot better player than Wendell has. I can't believe that Wendell is this poor in terms of his offensive skill uh, I really thought that he would be able to shoot the ball. I thought he'd be a little bit higher level passer. Instead, his confidence really held him back. And just in terms of like what this shows us from Karnaschovas, I think that he values high level talent. And I think that he wanted veterans. Like They no longer wanted to just sit back and wait for Markinen and Kobe to carry the team. Uh, I think that they just wanted to get the best player they could. And I think that Vucevic, they see a guy in him who complements Zach's game very well. Like the two-man game between Vucevic and Zach, with Vucevic being a 40% three-point shooter, dude, that should be a nasty two-man game. Now you worry about everything else. You worry, like, exactly how high can they go when you're going against Giannis and Joel Embiid and these other guys who you're going to see deep in the playoffs. But just that two-man game right there complements each other really well. And they just got the best player they could have. So I guess that's sort of. Yeah, I mean, Vooch is taking almost seven threes a game. He's at 6.5 and hitting at that percentage. And that's, it's way above his career mark. I, offense has been crazy this season in general. But uh, I mean, that at that volume, like we were like dying for Wendell to start shooting like some threes. And then he tried starting shooting them in preseason. He was terrible. Uh, I know his percentage was better a little bit, but he just like rarely took them. So to actually have that two man game and have Vooch be able to either step out or dive to the basket. Uh, that's definitely, I think, huge. Uh, you mentioned the Aaron Gordon thing. I mean, I, I said that at the top that I was thinking, I was thinking Aaron Gordon last night. I was thinking Aaron Gordon this morning, and then trying to get Lonzo as well because I think if they would have gotten those two guys, I think that could have been a lot of fun in terms of like athleticism, the playmaking. Aaron Gordon hasn't really come along as a playmaker as well, but 
because I just never really didn't think Vooch was on the table. But I mean, Vooch is the better player. You could say Gordon matches up more with like the timeline with, with Zach's timeline. They're both like 25, 26 years old. Vooch is in his 30s. But uh, yeah, I think it just the, the comes down to, yeah, Vooch is the better player overall. Uh, Gordon has been somewhat underwhelming, but and I know the fit's been kind of weird there in or- Orlando. But in general, I mean, they just got, they got an all-star player who does fit pretty well with their own all-star player. He adds playmaking. He adds shooting. Uh, and he should be good, and he's on a reasonable contract. I believe his contract declines in value the next year or two. I'd have to look up again when it is actually up, and I believe it's a declining contract, so it's not like it's anything like egregious or anything like that, so that's really nice. Uh, so just a really solid player and, a, and the, the, at an all-star. It's great. Um, we have Here's a question from, it looks like Kirk Heinrichs in the chat. Uh, talk, ask, he asked about Troy Brown. I am Ricky, I feel like you said you like Troy Brown. I cannot say I'm very familiar with Troy Brown, but do you have a quick scouting report on Troy Brown? Yeah, I saw Troy Brown play. So Troy Brown was like one of the top ranked guys in his age group from the time he was like a freshman or sophomore in high school. He was like at the top of the recruiting rankings for his class. As soon as those recruiting rankings came out, he was a five star recruit. Uh, I don't think that he ended up being quite as good as a lot of people thought he was going to be. He ended up going to UNLV, right? No, Oregon. He went to Oregon. What am I talking about? Yeah, he was deciding between UNLV and Oregon. He ended up going to Oregon. Uh, He didn't have an amazing one-and-done season because he's not a guy who is going to be a volume scorer. I described him as a poor man's Lonzo Ball, and I kind of think that's what he is. He's someone who... uh, Well, Lonzo's a unique player, but what I mean by that is that you have a 6'6 guy who's super young. Troy Brown right now is still 21 years old. And he's a guy who was raised as a point guard. Like I did a story on Troy Brown when he was a high school player at SB Nation where it was like, big point guards are taking over high school basketball. <laughs> uh, and it was a base around Troy Brown, like being 6'5 or 6'6 and being a point guard uh, and being, you know, one of the top ranked guys in his class. So he's not someone who's going to carry a big scoring burden. What is interesting about him to me is that he could defend multiple positions. His whole life, he's been a point guard. So he's been able to handle the ball. He's able to pass the ball. He's not a great shooter. For his NBA career, he's a 33% three-point shooter. I think that if you can get him to improve his shooting, like that's what everyone said about him when he was in the draft too. Uh, that's going to like sort of make or break his career. And if you look at his stats this year, he didn't play a ton this season so far. Only 287 minutes this year. Last year, he played 1,800 minutes. Uh, but last year, he was taking 28% of his shots from three, and this year, he's taking 52% of his shots from three. So, you know, for his long-term development, he's going to need to be able to shoot. What I would love to see with Troy Brown is a move back on the ball. That's what I was going to ask you. So like, do you, do you think they play uh, Troy Brown as the backup point and Kobe is like the two, backup two then? Yeah, so I'm looking at Troy Brown's minutes distribution on basketball reference. He's basically played 65% of his minutes at small forward, 25% of his minutes at shooting guard, and 10% of his minutes at power forward. They have not let him handle the ball at all. And in high school, (laughs) Troy Brown was a point guard. That was like the whole appeal of Troy Brown is a five-star prospect as he was a 6'6 point guard. So uh, I don't know if the Bulls are actually going to let him handle the ball right away. That might be something that like long-term, maybe they see that in him. But 
I think like the general scouting report on him is he's sort of a jack of all trades, master of none. He's got a lot of versatility and he's not someone who's wired to put up big scoring numbers. He's sort of a guy who's going to be a connector piece into everyone else, right? He'll be able to move the ball quickly. He's got pretty good vision. He's got pretty good size. You can slide him up and down the lineup. I love the Troy Brown move. I think that's a no brainer to get him. And if he can actually develop his on ball game a little bit, I think he's going to have some upside, some juice that, uh, Chandler Hutchison didn't have because he couldn't stay on the floor. He couldn't shoot. Daniel Gafford had no versatility. So Troy Brown's the exact type of young guy you want to take a flyer on. 21 years old, former first-round pick, five-star pedigree as a high school player. Can kind of handle and pass. You know, you got to improve him as a shooter, but he's not hopeless there. And he can defend a wide range of positions. So I love the Troy Brown move. I want to see him handle more. I don't know if it happens this year. Maybe he needs a summer, but... Uh, I'd love to see him get some chance to run the offense. Yeah, I don't know much about him. Thank you for that. I learned something there. Uh, and that's something we, when we talked about in our last pod, like young guys who could use a change of scenery, here we go. They get, they went and got one, which is great. That's exactly, we did not bring his name up because I just didn't even think of him because I don't think of the Wizards that much. But that we, we were thinking about going to get a young guy who just like needed a new st- fresh start somewhere, just has was kind of out of the rotation, and they went and got that in Troy and Troy Brown, and maybe he'll play. Maybe like I said, maybe he'll be the backup point guard at least sometime to let Kobe play a bit more off the ball if they're playing together. I think that'd be kind of interesting to see. Uh, Todd has another question. He asked about Al Farouk Amino strength and weaknesses. I mean, he's I feel like he's been around forever. Uh, just a veteran wing. I feel like he's more of like a power, he's like a big wing power forward almost. Uh, and he was, I mean, he was a starter on those Blazers teams, those, the last, not the last couple of years, but, uh, I mean, I think when they play like the Warriors in the conference finals, I believe he was a starter on that team. Uh, I feel like he's a average shooter. Like, I feel like he took a lot of corner threes playing off like Damon CJ. I'd have to pull his numbers up, but I mean, when healthy, I mean, just a, like a long wing defender, like a, just a, just a uh, tough defender can occasionally hit, uh, hit the three kind of, it's like a kind of, Three and D type guy. I guess that I haven't watched too much Al Camino recently, but I just remember him on those Blazers team where he was a really solid player, like 2015, 16, uh, 10.6 rebounds a game on the Blazers. He shots 36% from three. He's only at 33% from three for his career, but like that was also, he started, he, he started to improve his three point shot a lot. 2017, 2017, 18 on five, three point attempts per game. He was at 37%. So when he was healthy with those, uh, with those Blazers teams, he was a he was a solid starter, not great, but just a solid kind of just role player. Like he plays hard, he's long, uh, can defend guys. So like, uh, I don't know like what where he'll be in the rotation. I'm not really sure what his health wise is right now because like I said, he he missed most of last season with an injury, uh, and he has missed I think most of this season as well. Uh, so I'm really not not sure what he how much he le- has left in the tank. I mean, he's only 30, but with these injuries, you never know with these things. But I think it, it, at the very worst, he's at least a decent depth piece. Like you, you traded Otto Porter in this trade, but you get another wing, big wing back. So like, I feel like that's also kind of nice protection just to have towards the end of your bench. Like maybe he's like your 10th, 11th man. Uh, and if he does get healthy, uh, he could at least be a decent possible three D guy for you. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And, you know, I'm not expecting too much. Hey, Rick, do you have thoughts on Al Farouk Amino? <laughs> no, not really. But, uh, <laughs> oh, he was a good player in his heyday. I was surprised to see he's only 30. Yeah. And, and the Bulls, 
are definitely going to need to improve their defense, right? Like if Levine and Vucevic are your two primary pieces, you're going to be an offense first team. That's just how it is. And Aminu is the type of guy who at his peak could cover up for a lot of defensive mistakes because he was a long rangy wing uh, who wasn't going to give you much offensively, much shooting, much spacing, but he could take on big wings and handle those assignments. Obviously, the Bulls are grooming Pat for that, but it's nice to have right. a veteran like Aminu who could maybe teach him a few tricks of the trade. So uh, I'm not expecting much from Al Farouk, but hey, why not? Maybe it could work out. Yeah, like I said, I think it's just nice a nice like kind of replacement for Otto since you included him in that deal. Um, I think he and I think he's owed ten million next year. Let's look at this. Let's look at the Bulls' salary. Uh, set up here was I think I guess if we're looking forward to next season we're going to wrap it up here pretty soon but if, I guess if we are looking ahead we talked about how nothing should really be set in stone with this roster you have Zach you have Vucevic uh, as like your main guys and you obviously have Patrick Williams uh, I know our guy Ryan Borgia put, tweeted out just kind of a look at the as like the, at the bull salary picture and I think I, I'm pretty sure Aminu is making like 10 million a year but He's obviously. If, I think. I think he has an option next season. Uh, obviously, I think he would hope he would. He would maybe get rid of that. The Bulls still can create some cap space. Uh, I know if we're talking about making a run at Lonzo Ball in the off season or some or somebody else like that as a restricted free agent, there is there are ways to open up that cap space. I know it, it does start to get a little tight now, given what they have in place. But uh, like you might have to move on from like Thad and Sato. I'm not sure if it's both. Uh, definitely at least one of them. Possibly both. Uh, I think Amina, you'd probably move on from, and then Lowry, you'd obviously be moving on from as well. Um, but I, th- I mean, I think if 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 that if that is the case, whatever. I mean, it would be tough to lose Thad. Sato's a solid veteran, but like if you were able to get Lonzo in the offseason and get him to an offer sheet, like, uh, and you have Lonzo, Pat, and you're and you don't have to like give up any draft picks or anything like that. If you're just basically like losing Lowry, like, and if you give Lonzo whatever whatever he's looking for, I know he's looking for a lot of money. I'm not sure what he's actually going to get. Uh, like I think that could be really interesting if you if you get him, and I'm not sure if the Pelicans going to match or anything like that. So, I mean, if you're looking at looking ahead, you if you have Lonzo like next year, you have Lonzo, Zach, Vooch, Pat Williams, and then maybe you bring another wing in there uh, if you have to lose Thad. Uh, I mean, I think that's a really interesting team and a team that could possibly that could be maybe like is that a second round playoff team? Maybe if things break their way, depending on other moves that are out there, could be pretty damn decent. So I think in general, like. This move does not mean like they won't be able to make moves in the offseason. I know, like I know there's also the, the matter of like Zach Levine's possible renegotiation for a max extension. I honestly don't know like what his mindset is. I mean, he does seem excited about Vooch being here. Uh the Bulls would need some cap space to use that to give Zach like that max extension or, or renegotiation. Uh, like I said, we'll see. They could get kind of tight there if they do want to go after Alonzo or if they want to go after somebody else. Again, Zach might want to just get to unrestricted free agency in general because he can make more money that way. And that's, I mean, I would not begrudge him at all if he wants to get to unrestricted free agency and try to secure that bag, try to secure that five-year max with the Bulls or whether it's if he wants to go somewhere else, that'd be obviously be a bummer. But um, this moves, I think this move today, I think just kind of wrapping up here, final thoughts, like this move today should help the Bulls this season. It makes them better. I know they won't be great. I, I still think their ceiling in this season is probably getting pounded in the first round if they make it through the play-in. Or maybe if they get up high enough that they get to like the sixth seed or something like that. Uh, I guess they could still get up to four or five. Uh, and maybe they get lucky there and they win. So maybe the first, maybe the ceiling still is a second round. It could be a second round exit just because the East is so goofy this season. But 
it helps them this year, and they're still in a good position moving forward with Zach, with Vooch. No, like, off, god awful contracts. They could have some cap space and some flexibility. Uh, I know that they give up the draft picks, but with those protections there, I don't think they're really losing that much draft wise. So, I guess just bottom line is super pumped about super pumped about what the Bulls did today. Ricky, do you have any final thoughts here? I can't wait to watch him play. Like, when's Vucevic going to play? Is he going to play Saturday? I'm not sure. I would, I mean, they, they announced the deal. They just announced the deal right before, I think, right before we came on. And I mean, I would think he would be available. I mean, they have tonight off, they have tomorrow off. So then they play Saturday. And where do they, where is that game? I know they start like a road West Coast trip. I'd have to look that up again. But I would think he'd be available. I don't, unless there's stuff with like testing and stuff like that, where I guess with, with the COVID stuff, like maybe it would take a little more time. But uh, I would think it would hopefully be pretty soon. Yeah, I think that this team's going to get tested uh, right away. Yeah. Yep. Their next few games, they're at San Antonio on Saturday, then at the Warriors on Monday, home against the Suns on Wednesday, at Utah on Friday, home against the Nets on Sunday. So those first five games are just a killer. Yep. After that, you're at Pacers, at Raptors, who are tanking now, basically, at Hawks, who are a little feisty. I think that that's a team the Bulls are going to have to compete with. Raptors are not tanking. They have Kyle Lowry still, dude. <laughs> well, they got Kyle Lowry, but they traded Norm Powell. I, still pretty good. They still could be pretty good. I and mean, they, they still have they, Lowry, Pascal, Fred, and OG. It should still be pretty good. For sure. They did make some moves today, but they didn't trade Lowry. So I guess, you know, maybe they're not playing for the lottery. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but that Raptors game is winnable, I think, especially given how the Raptors have played this year. Yeah, like, they've been weird. For the last couple of years at Atlanta at the Timberwolves at the Grizzlies home against the magic home against the Grizzlies home against the Cavs at the Celtics at the Cavs versus Charlotte. So yeah, like that's the upcoming schedule. Uh, the first five games are going to be tough, but then they have some chances to roll up some wins. So let's see if the Bulls can actually beat a good team now. Cause they were able to beat shit teams without Vucevic. Uh, does Vucevic change the complexion of the team enough to get some wins against actual quality competition? I think that'll be interesting. And yeah, I'm just excited for a, the Bulls made a trade, dude. They never make trades. Two of them. <laughs> when the when Karnaschovas was hired, like his biggest area of improvement from the previous regime was going to be in trades. Like you could argue that Garpax did pretty good at drafting. I mean, they drafted Jimmy Butler at 30. You can't do any better than that. But they never made any trades. And now Karnaschovas has made two. He made two more than John Paxson made in 17 years, man. So <laughs> that's exciting. And uh, we'll see where it goes from here. I don't think the Bulls are going to be holding on to this group and saying, well, this is what we're stuck with. Nah, dude, I think it's all going to be very fluid to change. And that's exciting, too. Absolutely. Uh, that's going to do it for us here. Thank you for everybody who listened. For everybody who chimed in with questions, both in the chat and came on stage with us. Always love when you guys uh, take part with us. Makes it a lot more fun. Uh, this was great. Obviously, a very exciting day for Chicago Bulls fans to actually have. And for Zach Levine. I mean, Zach Levine's got to be super happy to actually have, be playing with another all-star uh, player. It's He's suffered through a lot of losses in his NBA career uh, with the Timberwolves and then with the Bulls. So he has got to just be loving this to actually have someone who can take some pressure off him. Because I feel like I would just, that Cavs game last night, and just I feel like even just lately in general, like he's looked kind of worn down, just like kind of sick of this shit. So I think he's probably got to be kind of fired up here for the, this team to make a move to put 
an all-star player next to him. And now he gets some, a little more help uh, with the scoring load and all that. Like Zach Levine's got to be pretty pumped. So he's pumped. We're pumped here. We're excited to see the Bulls play this upcoming weekend and moving forward for the rest of the season and moving forward uh, in the coming year. So that should it should hopefully be really exciting. Uh, and we'll obviously be talking all about it here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Uh, tons of great pods across the Blue Wire Network with all the uh, crazy stuff in the trade for the trade deadline today. There was a, lot, a ton of moves. Uh, go listen to other pods. I know there's plenty of other pods doing, I think, locker rooms on here. ton of great stuff on locker rooms, so shout out to them as well. We do a weekly locker room show uh, every week now, which is great. It's been a lot of fun doing that. Um, for our show, please rate, review us, give us those five-star ratings. Let us know how we're doing on Twitter. You know where to find us. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky's at, S- at SBN underscore Ricky. So for us and Cast Considerations, we'll talk to you guys next time. Awesome trade deadline, guys. And uh, that's it. Talk to you guys next time. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indeed.